Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Hey, um, so what I wanted to do today is I wanted to stop in our series with Abraham because obviously we have to deal with what's going on on the ground. And I think any church worth its salt is dealing with this subject today across the nation. And uh, my concern is, is what I'm seeing pop up in America and around the world with its, the vitriolic anti-Semitism that I'm seeing everywhere, unfortunately. And uh, it concerns me as an American, it concerns me as a Christian, and it should concern you. And so what I wanted to do today is put things in perspective and, and state for the record what the Bible says about the Arab-Israeli conflict so you know the talking points in which to counter the lies and propaganda that's out there. I am sick to death of watching the talking heads talk from their ignorance, not knowing the history, not knowing what scripture says, not knowing what's going down, and blaming Israel and celebrating Hamas. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand this. But again, what should, I, what should I expect from a culture that says a guy can menstruate? What should I expect? You know, if you can say you're a girl when you're a guy and a guy and a girl. Why not an Arab say they're a Palestinian? Because that's a fictional thing too, which I'll, I'll discuss today. But what I want to put down in, you know, in this sermon is to deal with what we're dealing with. And, to, and, and, and here's the truth from Scripture, and this is the way it lines out. And what happens to the Arab people in Scripture? And I'm going to go through that today. I'll talk about Psalm 83, but what I want to focus in on at the end of this is what is the result of their hostility towards Israel? Is there justice for what, are they, what they're doing to Israel? We'll talk about that. So let's start with Netanyahu understanding that they are at war because Hamas goes in there and targets civilians, has civilians hostages, cuts babies' heads off, rapes women, burns people alive, takes Holocaust uh, uh, survivors and kills them. Let's, let's understand we're at war. Israel is at war. We didn't want this war. It was forced upon us in the most brutal and savage way. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. Once the Jewish people Amen. were stateless, once the Jewish people were defenseless, no longer. Hamas will understand that by attacking us, they've made a mistake of historic proportions. We will exact a price that will be remembered by them and Israel's other enemies for decades to come. The savage attacks that Hamas perpetrated against innocent Israelis are mind boggling. Slaughtering families in their homes, massacring hundreds of young people at an outdoor festival, kidnapping scores of women, children, and elderly, even Holocaust survivals. Hamas terrorists bound, burned, and executed children. They are savages. Hamas is ISIS. And just as the forces of civilizations united to defeat ISIS, the forces of civilization must support Israel in defeating Hamas. In fighting Hamas, Israel is not only fighting for its own people, it is fighting for every country that stands against barbarism. Israel will win this war. And when Israel wins, the entire civilized world wins. Amen. Amen. Amen to Benjamin Netanyahu. God bless him. So let's talk about what's going on, on the ground before we, we dive into the scriptures. No, nego no negotiations over hostages, we are eliminating Hamas. So basically they're going into Gaza eliminating Hamas, which they should. When they're done, there won't be any more Hamas. And if Hezbollah throws their hat in the ring, there won't be any more Hezbollah. They are done with Hamas, okay? Uh, enough already. So the Israeli forces are now are, are storming into Gaza uh, in localized raids, okay? So they're going through there, reading out Hamas as best they can, and this is why at the end of this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a link and show you a way to help the IDF because a lot of them need helmets and they need bulletproof vests to do this, okay? So I'll show you how to help in that situation. Anyway, 
<clears throat> Israel is creating safe zones with food, medical support for Gaza civilians. So unlike what the, the, the UN says, unlike what the propaganda media says, that Israel's just going there and indiscriminately killing everybody, that's not true. They're actually su uh, su supplying food and medical support for Gaza civilians. And at the same time they're doing this, Hamas is blocking the civilians from evacuating. It is Hamas keeping its own people from leaving the Gaza Strip as Israel is trying to help them. Uh, is their siege correct? Because they say, well, Israel doesn't have a right to siege the Gaza. Yes, they do. By not only is international standards, but also biblical standards as well. You have to eliminate a terrorist group like Hamas. And that's what they do. They have every right to do that. Here's a picture of what Hamas does. Hamas has taken children captive, women captive, and slayed them, just to give you an idea. It reminds me of the same spirit in the Holocaust as the same spirit with Hamas. Who puts children in cages like animals? Hamas does. These are the, the children that have been killed or missing. We don't know where they're at. Holocaust survivors, like we say, have been taken. They're victims. Again, they don't, they don't take on the IDF. They take civilians. But what do you expect from a culture that while we're playing hide-and-go-seek, these are the games their children play in the streets of Gaza? <laughs> So they pretend, let's kill the Jew. And so this is the games they play. This is the kind of death cult that's going on in the Gaza that no one wants to admit what's happening there. They teach their kids at three years old to, to sing songs while are going to knock on heaven's door with the skull of a Jew. Thank you very much. That's what they do to their kids. Here's the Israelis that are now being held hostage, and we have this on their Twitter feeds, and whatnot of them filming themselves. These are what Hamas takes. Instead of going after the IDF, they take young women. Here's some more. How brave Hamas is to capture young women. How brave are they? How brave are they when they steal Jewish toddlers like this Hamas guy? I'm 
وين ابوك؟ وين ابوك؟ وين ابوك؟ وين يهنك؟ مين جاء؟ Because if, if they did a direct attack on an Israeli military, this is what would happen to them. As you see, this joy boy who's having a good time, thinking he's at war and winning the war, look what happens to his buddy behind him once the IDF gets involved. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's why they don't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the IDF, because that's what happens to you. So who do they target? Elderly women, young women, children, and babies. Because that's what cowards do, right? Well, they get that from their father. They get that from their father, Ishmael, and I'll show you in just a bit. This is them, again, who have stolen Jewish children, and this is Hamas with the Jewish children. <laughs> Basically, they're saying if you come after us, we're going to kill them. We're going to kill the, the, the hostages. This is what Israel is dealing with. Now, the funny thing is, we have been giving aid to Hamas and the, the Palestinians for some time now. And... Uh, that money from the UN and the United States is supposed to go to humanitarian efforts to give them water and food and electricity and whatnot. But typically they don't have it because you know what they do? With, with the humanitarian aid, they take it and make bombs out of it. Here's them ripping up their water system. This is why they don't have water in the Gaza. It's not because of the Jews. It's because of Hamas ripping up the pipes and making bombs out of them. Here's them documenting it. There's the water pipe. We dug up the water pipe to make bombs. That's why they don't have water. I don't care what the UN says. They made videos and that's what they do. They rip up their pipelines. That's why they don't have water. So I like this, this, this article from PJ Media. What the heck is wrong with these people? What is wrong with the people in Gulf? What is wrong with Islam? What is wrong? Because it's Satan. That's who it is. It's satanic and demonic. That's what is wrong. And we're dealing with a group of people who are ideologically driven by Islam and a desire to wipe every Jew off the face of the planet. That's what we're dealing with. And the root of the Israeli conflict comes from the Bible. The Bible illustrates and demonstrates why this is a problem. And it goes all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant, and that's why we're studying Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham and his descendants, the Jews. He gave them land, seed, which means the Jewish people and the Jewish Messiah, and then the blessing aspect as well. Let's just focus on the land and the seed. The land obviously is the promised land. God gave this land to Israel, no one else. He gave a seed blessing in the fact that Abraham's descendants would be like the sand of the sea and the stars of the, in the heavens, the Jewish people. And that's what he promised. And because of that, Satan has been in, a, in, a, in an all full-out rage against it. So this is what Satan's game plan is, to wipe out the Jews. Why? So that God can't fulfill his promises to Abraham and the Jewish people, and so that the second coming can't happen, because the Jewish people are required to call out for Jesus to save them, and he will at the second coming. So Satan's mentality is, we'll wipe out every Jew, God can't make good on his promises, therefore God's a liar, and the second coming can't happen in Jesus' rule and reign if he can wipe out the Jews. And that's been his tactic 
the whole time since the Abrahamic covenant was established. So that's what's happening. It has nothing to do with political ramifications. It is a satanic onslaught against God's program. That's what's happening. The Abrahamic covenant, as you see here, and its verses are still in effect. Yahweh grants the full boundaries of the promised land to Abraham and the Israelites. It is given to no one else other than the Jews. No Christian, no Arab, no anybody except the Jewish people has been given this land. And they will expe uh, 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 experience the full boundaries in the Messianic kingdom when Jesus comes back and he gives them the full boundaries. It also requires that Abraham and any believing Jew be resurrected in order to experience the full boundaries of the land. And here are the boundaries. So when Jesus comes back and rules and reigns from David's throne, these full boundaries will be given to Israel. As you see, it encompasses most of the Arab territory, in fact, all of the Arab territory today. Let that sink in. This is what God promised Israel. Now, the issue then becomes, what started the strife? Well, obviously, Satan saw the Abrahamic covenant, and he saw what was happening. But then Abraham makes a, makes a fatal mistake. Because of a lack of, uh, of faith in God, he goes into Egypt, takes Hagar, a concubine, and then because he won't wait on God's promise for Yitzhak, he then goes to the concubine Hagar and has a child by the name of Ishmael. And Hagar hates Sarah, she hates Yitzhak, and she passes his hate on to Ishmael. And therefore, Ishmael then persecutes Yitzhak, and Sarah says to Abraham, you've got to get him out of here. He's going to hurt Isaac. He's persecuting Isaac. Therefore, God makes a prediction about Ishmael and his descendants. And the prediction is here. He will be a wild man. We've talked about this. And the wild man idea is he's, he will be nomadic. He will not be given the promised land. Second, his hand will be against every man, which means he will be the aggressor in the relationship. He will attack first, and th that is exactly what we saw on Saturday. Hamas attacks first, right? Okay. Then it says, and, he, and every man's hand will be against him, which means that because he's the aggressor, people will then retaliate against him, which is exactly what Israel did and is doing now in retaliation to Ishmael. And then he says, and, it shall, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And instead of spreading out all over the, the planet, the descendants of Ishmael will like to cozy up right next to the promised land and be surrounding Israel for their entire life until Messiah comes back, which is exactly what you see play out today. Now, again, the key charge of the Jewish prophets against the descendants of Ishmael and the Edomites eventually, which were basically the descendants of Esau, which intermarried, has been this, this perpetual hatred of, of, of Israel. And the prophets rail against it, that it, it won't stop. It gets passed on from generation to generation to generation. And now with Islam in the play, it exacerbates the whole situation and the hatred and gives them a religious cause to hate the Jews. So Ezekiel mentions this perpetual hatred, and I think it's important, and, it, and this is him talking about the Edomites or the descendants of Esau, about this perpetual hatred. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir, a prophesy against it, and say unto this, to it, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am against you, O Mount Seir. I will stretch out my hand against you, and I will make you a desolation and an astonishment. I will lay your cities, to, uh, cities waste, and you shall be desolate. This is future prediction, okay, of Esau. And you shall know that I am Yahweh, because, and here's the key, you have had a perpetual enmity, a perpetual hatred, and have given over the children of Israel to the power of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time of the iniquity of the end. So the prediction by the prophets, as you can see Ezekiel mentioning this, you have had this perpetual hatred ever since your father Ishmael has had it and persecuted Isaac. And you continue to do this to this very day. You can see as a nation 
when Israel comes out of the Exodus, they immediately are met by the uh, Edomites and uh, the Moabites. They will not let Moses pass through the land once they come out of the Exodus. And, and, and so early on, this hatred has started as a nation, not just an individual, but as a nation of Israel as they come out in the Exodus. Understand this, 95% of the Arab world is Islamic. And under a, 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 the guide of uh, Islam, the Hadith and the Quran tells them to hate the Jews and to wipe the Jews out. Now, it's not me putting words into their mouth. Their imams say it to them. Here is Hamas saying what the Quran tells them to do. اللهم عليك بيهود شل أركانهم ودمر كيانهم اللهم مكننا من رقاب يهود اللهم مكننا من رقاب يهود فلقد اقترب يوم فلقد اقترب يوم ذبحكم وصالكم والقضاء عليكم حتى لا يبقى يهودي ولا صهيوني على وجه هذه الأرض عقيدتنا في قتالكم أننا سنبيدكم على بكرة أبيكم ولن نبقي منكم أحدا تلوهم حيث ثقفتموه ما فيش بنعرفش حدث وين ما بنستطيع سنقاودهم التي يتبر فيها ملكهم ويباد فيها أبناؤهم اللهم عليك باليهود ومن والاهم اللهم عليك بالأمريكان ومن والاهم اللهم أحصهم عددا واقتلهم بددا ولا تغادر منهم أحدا Did you notice who got slipped in there as well? Yeah, because they're going to deal with, as they call Israel, the little Satan, and then we're done with them, we'll deal with the big Satan, America, primarily the Christians. That means you and me. That's who they're going after, okay? So when Israel fights Hamas, they're fighting for you. They're trying to stop them from coming here and doing that nonsense here. But unfortunately, our borders are so wide open, sleeper cells are coming through here. We have Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Hezbollah cells all through because of our border. We've got a problem on our hands, don't we? Obadiah mentions this, this, this perpetual hatred and chastises the Arab people for it. For violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, talking about Israel being persecuted, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. You joined the enemies. You didn't help your brethren, the Jews. But you should not have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity, nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction as you rejoice with children in cages. Nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of, your, of, of, of their distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood in the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress. And the warning from Obadiah is then from the other prophets explaining the result of taking their stand against Israel. And I'll show you in just a bit. Now, this concept, and I, 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 again, we have to dispel the myths out there. And the myth is there is such a thing as Palestinian people. I'm sorry, that's a myth. It's not true. I don't care what CNN tells you, BBC. I don't care. It's a lie. There are no such thing as Palestinians. They are Jordanians. They're Jordanian Arabs. End of story. The word Palestine came from, from Hadrian after Bar Kokhba's rebellion, and he was so ticked off at the Jewish rebellion, they expelled the Jews from the land and renamed the land of Israel Assyria Palestina in reference to ancient enemies of Israel called the Philistines. And that's why he renamed it as, an, as a kind of a get-back thing to the Jewish revolt and punishment for that rebellion. And that's where the term Palestine came from. In fact, before the so-called Palestinians or Jordanians ever came to existence, the land of Israel was actually called Palestine. In 1948, when Israel became a nation, 
Israel's paper was called the Palestine Post. Okay, so where did this come from? Where did this whole idea of the Palestinian refugee? Well, let's understand some history. Let's make sure we got our history straightened out because the news groups don't uh, apparently understand it and neither do the college professors. But in 1948, the UN Resolution 181 granted statehood to two states. It created a Jewish state and, a, uh, and an Arab state called Palestine. And they were given their land, and Israel and the, palace, uh, and the Arabs were, had divided land. So this was given by the UN Resolution. So there's no occupation whatsoever. I don't know what they, why they keep saying that. The Arabs didn't want to rule themselves. Jordan didn't want to rule over them. If the Arabs wanted to stay once Israel became a nation, they could. And many of the Arabs stayed in Israel, and, and part of the, uh, are the Israeli government, part of the Knesset, that get along right, uh, right well today with the, the Jews in the nation of Israel. But many of them didn't want to stay. And, and, and Jordan didn't want to deal with them. So, what happened? Early 1960s, the Arab coalition hired a public relations firm, Dudley Anderson Yutzi, in New York. Okay? And they needed to change their image because the Arabs were being looked at as bullies to Israel in the land. So, George Anderson told them, well, we need to change your image, and we're going to change you from an oppressor to a victim, which is, like a, mar is a Marxist tactic and made them a victim group, a small group, you know, perceived as being abused by the Israelis and whatnot. And that is when the Palestinian cause was born, okay? At Anderson's advice, the PLO organization was established May 28, 1964, and that's when it started. Before then, it there were just Jordanian Arabs. That's it. So this was made up. Ask anybody today. Any college professor, ask them if they're going to be honest. When did any such nation, Palestine, ever occupy Israel? Never. It's myth. It doesn't exist. It's like a, what, I, what I heard one time at, an, uh, at a, 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 an Israeli ambassador was speaking in front of some pro-Palestinian groups, and he was asked to speak, but before he, he started his speech... He said, you know, um, I remember a story the rabbis told us that when Moses was coming over into the promised land, he decided to take a bath in the Jordan River and went in there and took a bath and then came out. And he came out and found that his clothes were stolen by a Palestinian. And then every Palestinian in the group said, that couldn't have happened. There was no such Palestinian during that time. And that to, the, to that point, point, the Israeli ambassador said, that's right, and they never have been. And then he started his speech. It's a, it's a joke. It's a fabrication. It's one of the biggest lies in history. And what about Gaza? Israel controlled the Gaza, but then Israel made a, fa a fatal mistake, and they should never have done this. They gave Gaza over to the so-called Palestinians or ex-Jordanians. Just because Israel wants peace, and that's the problem sometimes with Israel and their government, they want peace and then they give up land, and that's, I don't agree with that, and neither do you, that they shouldn't do that. So what happened? The Gaza Strip was this fertile area that Israel was, was it was just crops and, and, and all kinds of a bread basket, right, that Israel was doing. They gave it up, and what did, what did the, the Palestinians do? They turned the whole area into a war zone, basically, to fight Israel, right? So in 2007, the people of Gaza elected Hamas as their leadership of over 90%. And they keep reelecting them every year for the last 16 years. So there is some collective guilt in all of this, okay? So the terrorist group Hamas attacks Israeli civilians, just like Ishmael persecuted Isaac, a 20-year-old persecutes a toddler. It's the same mentality. Go after the innocent, right? So they do this. But as we know, and I mentioned this on Wednesday, we know that then there's ties to Iran behind this. Hamas, Hezbollah are just front groups for Iran. And so 
What we find out is Hamas' uh, surprise attack on Israel was given the green light in a meeting in Beirut on Monday, according to senior members of Hamas and Hezbollah. Officers of the Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps worked with Hamas since August to devise an air, land, and sea incursion. So Iran's behind it, okay? And Iran recently increased its money. They were already giving Hamas $100 million per year. So Iran increases $350 million per year. For what, food, water, and shelter? No, 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 to go attack Jews. So here's the thing. Iran is deeply entrenched in this. And so whatever Israel does can set off Iran, obviously, because Iran says if you try to save, uh, Iran tries to save Hamas and threatens war if Israel invades Gaza. Well, they will. They're going to have to take out Hamas. So, you know, it is what it is. And then they're, if they have to deal with Iran, they're going to have to deal with Iran. But it sets off the whole powder keg of the Middle East, right? And then if you deal with Iran, you deal with the Russia, and then you deal with Turkey, right? So it sets off the whole Gog of Magog war in Psalm 83. But here's the problem. Here's how we get involved. Not you and I, but the Biden administration. The Trump administration had cut off aid to the Palestinians because Trump was like, I'm not giving aid to Hamas and Fatah. It's just ridiculous. So he cut off aid because the aid was never getting to the people. So he cut it off. Once Biden got in, he reverses it and starts giving them $235 million in aid, okay? So they've been getting aid from us. But that aid doesn't go to the ground. It goes to making weapons against Jews, okay? At the same time, America has been trying to do deals with Iran and has been doing deals with Iran since the Obama administration. So they were trying to say, well, we're going to stop, we're going to freeze the funding of this six billion Iranian funds, we're not gonna give it to them. Well, I wouldn't have given it to them in the, the first place. So, but anyway, we're, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna freeze this. I hope they do. But you know what? When you look at Arab news sources, this is what the Arab news sources say. Reports on US freezing Iran's assets, just a joke. Breaking, Qatar denies refreezing of Iran's fund. They're running the money, the six billion, it's supposed to run through a bank in Qatar. And Qatar's saying it's going to be used in accordance to the Iran-U.S. deal. What are you talking about? It's not stopping. Who's telling me the truth? You think the Biden administration is telling you the truth? <laughs> and then we uncover this. Gabriel Noranha, former special advisor on Iran to the State Department, used to work for uh, Trump. He's ousting this guy, Rob Marley, who's Biden's special envoy to Iran. What they have found out, he's been negotiating purposeful funnel, funneled billions of dollars to Iran through lack of sanctions enforcement and provisions of sanctions relief that has given them somewhere between 50 billion and 80 billion over the last two and a half years. We're funding it. Senior House Republican aide told the Post that the cash influx followed an even more generous payout of $1.7 billion that the Obama administration made to Iran in 2016, eventually contributing to Saturday's attack that triggered the Jewish state's first declaration of war in 50 years. There is a straight line from Obama's giveaway to Iran to Biden enriching Iran to Iran's war on Israel. We're involved. We're funding Iran, Iran's funding Hamas, and Hamas is being used as a proxy group to kill Jews. I don't think God's going to look too lightly on this one. It could spell our doom because of this. These creeps that are in power in, in, in our government are spelling our doom. And then here's the thing. I would imagine that most Americans would understand that killing babies and beheading babies and taking Holocaust survivors and killing them and capturing young women and raping them and burning people alive would be wrong. But not in our culture. Apparently, we have a good portion of our culture that supports terrorists. I guess it's the same culture that believes a guy can menstruate. It's the same mentality. 
You can make anything up as you go, and let's make up the fabrication that the wrong people here are the Jews and the Palestinians are the heroes. I guess that's what, you happen, what happens when you're not in reality. Look what the UN does. We should cut all ties with the UN starting today, I wish. Look what they say, Human Rights Council, human rights, yeah, right. They observed a moment of silence for the loss of innocent lives, where? In Israel? No, in the occupied, look at the word occupied. Israel's not occupying anything, by the way. Occupied Palestinian terror, and elsewhere. Oh, here, here, here's this guy. Listen to him. On behalf of the OIC member states, we express our deep concerns over the loss of innocent lives in the occupied Palestinian occupied. territory and elsewhere. Regrettably, this whole huge loss of lives and unabated violence is a sad reminder of more than seven decades of illegal foreign occupation, aggression, and disrespect for the international law, including UNSC resolutions. The 16 years of illegal blockade of Gaza continues to raise question over the applicability of international law and fundamental freedoms to the innocent civilian population. Efforts to normalize and perpetuate illegal foreign occupation is breeding violence. There is a need for immediate steps to ensure the realization of the right to self-determination of the Palestinian people and also achieving a just two-state solution on the borders of June 4, 1967 with East Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Palestine. We call on all parties to exercise restraint and honor the human rights obligations. In this context, the so-called declaration of war and attacks on civilian population and their properties is deeply distressing. We remain concerned about the human cost of the escalating situation. Our hearts and prayers also go out to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan owing to the devastating earthquake and huge loss of life. We request observing one minute silence for the loss of innocent lives, including women, children, and the elderly. It is also an occasion to remember victims of decades of foreign occupation in the occupied Palestinian territory. I request you all to stand. Uh, unbelievable. Why don't this guy just come out and say, I hate Jews? Why don't you just come out and say it? Because that's what he said, in effect. Occupied territory, we're remembering a day of silence for the occupied people in the territory. What? He just said it, I hate Jews. Kill them all. That's what he said. He had no sympathy for what happened to the Israelis. No sympathy whatsoever. Watch this. Glenn Beck points this out, what's happening around the world. What we saw was filth all over the world. Even as the dead were still lying in the streets, the Democratic Socialist of America marched for the terrorists in New York. Others marched in Chicago, Australia, and on and on. Massive groups, cities all over the world, they celebrated the terrorists. In Australia, they said, chanting, gas the Jews. Do they not know the context? Are they stupid? Or are they dangerous and evil themselves? Yes, they are dangerous and evil and they live among us. They're in the cities. Did you notice the ages of them? They're typically young, which means they don't have information. They don't know what they're talking about. They're ignorant, but they're evil. Who supports killing babies? I don't know what human thinks like that. It's all over America, guys. Tonight, the crossroads of the world becoming a deep dividing point with Palestinian supporters on one side of the street. What brought you out here today? Uh, to stand against, uh, against the oppression that's been uh, occurring in Palestine for the, over the past five decades. Palestinian people have had enough. While yards away, a tense face-off with dozens standing up for Israel. We have a right to exist. We're not doing anything wrong. I have friends who live in Israel. I have family who live in Israel. I've seen violence there before. We've all seen that, but this is really on, a, on another level completely. As you can see, emotions are running high. This rally is now on the move. We're told they're headed straight to the Israeli consulate. will be free from the river to the sea. And similar scenes playing out across the country. The growing movement on both sides heightening security from coast to coast. The NYPD keeping close watch on the ground and in the air, launching drones to monitor today's events. 
While in Salt Lake City, police increased patrols following unspecified threats targeting Jewish institutions. Synagogues in Miami Beach and Beverly Hills ramping up their presence too. Tonight, the crisis in the Middle East fueling demonstrations thousands of miles away. What? What? Is this happening in America? Who are these people? Muslim and young leftists march on UCLA campus chanting infatada, infatada, bloody uprising against Israel. It's on every college campus now. It's in the, the Harvards and the Yales. It's in the, the Berkeleys. It's in UCLA. It's every, every college professor almost promotes this. What's going on? What's happening to these college and universities that these kids are, are thinking like this? I don't know who to blame. You blame the professors? You, you blame these brats that go out and get cranked out of our universities? Or do you, do you blame their, their Chardonnay-sucking parents that never say no to them and never correct them? Who's to blame for this? It's all of the above is right. How do we get to a stage where we have people supporting Hamas? I got to understand, well, where are your moral fibers? Where, what are you? We got congresswomen that work for us that can't say that killing children is wrong. Terrorists have um, cut off babies' heads No, they don't. Not to Rashida Tlaib. She's, she's pro-Hamas. Then you have this guy, he's part of the squad, Jamal Bowman, directs the U.S. to accept one million Palestinian refugees. I don't think so. I don't want the kind this person that teaches their kids to knock on heaven's door with the skull of a Jew in my country. I don't want this kind of person in our country. They come here and they destroy our country. That's what the problem with Dearborn, Michigan, and little Mogadishu, and all these other places in America that has Muslim enclaves. Why do we, we allow this? And yet that, that's what's running through our streets. Since last week, the International Red Cross has been AWOL in repeated requests to check on the well-being of hostages for Israel. Where's the Red Cross? Absent, AWOL, don't know, who knows? I wonder why. Students for Justice in Palestine plans a day of resistance, says Israeli civilians are legitimate targets. Civilians are legitimate targets. Are we in Nazi Germany? Is this 1939? What's happening here? Stanford University teachers suspended for allegedly separating Jewish students, calling them colonizers, downplaying the Holocaust at Stanford. I'm glad they suspended him, but this is the same guy that radicalized Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. This is what happens if you're a Jewish student on one of our college campuses. They try to burn your door. This is what happens. They terrorize the students. And the college and universities won't do anything about it. Oh. PJ Media says, can we please stop pretending they aren't animals among us? Yeah, there's something wrong with them. Something's not right. What can be done about the pro-Hamas left? Because we've allowed them in our governments, we've allowed them in our institutions, we've allowed them to write our curriculum, we've allowed them all through our society. They've, they've taken over Europe. What can be done about the pro-Hamas left? Huh. This is what God says will be done. 
Psalm 83. A song of Asaph, do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. Notice what it says. Those who hate you. So the real issue is not that so much they hate Jews, is that they hate the God of the Bible. That's the real issue. And those who hate you lift up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people, the Jews, and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us take, cut them off from being a nation that they, the name of Israel may be remembered no more, which is exactly what Hamas says, Hezbollah, Iran says, and all of them say, okay? For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. And this confederacy is a future confederacy of nine players. Okay? This didn't happen in 1948 because there's only five of the players. This didn't happen in 1967. It didn't happen in Yom Kippur. And it's not happening right now with Hamas. But in the future, all nine players will form a coalition to wipe Israel off the face of the planet. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites. Who are they? The Palestinian refugees and southern Jordanians. Moab, Palestinian refugees, central Jordanians. And the Hagarites, the Egyptians. Gabal, northern Lebanese. Ammon, Palestinian refugees and northern Jordanians. Amalek, uh, Arabs south of Israel and the Sinai Peninsula. Philistia, Palestinian refugees and Hamas of the Gaza Strip. With the inhabitants of Tyre, Hezbollah, and southern Lebanese. Assyria, the Syrians and the people from northern Iraq also joined them. They have helped the children of, of Lot, Moab, and Amnon, basically Jordanians. Selah, think about it, reflect. Now, what's the point? I showed you guys this on Wednesday, but I'm gonna show you the after effects of what happens in, after they attack Israel. And it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. The psalmist then pleads with God to destroy these enemies as he has done in the past. He says in verse 9, deal with them as with Midian, like in the past, as with Sisera, as with Jabin at the brook of Kishon. Again, these are ancient enemies that, that God dealt with, who perished at, at Endor, who became a refuse on the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb. Yes, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for possession. Let's take the land is the idea. Oh my God, make them like a whirling uh, dust like chaff before the wind as the fire burns the woods as the flame uh, uh, sets the mountains on fire so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name O Lord let them be confounded and dismayed forever yes let them be put to shame and perish that they may know that you whose name alone is the Lord are the most high over all the earth now that's the prayer and now I'll show you the result of that prayer. That prayer is answered by Yahweh. And so I'm going to ask you to stay with me because I'm going to go really fast through this. So according to Scripture, the peace that happens, happens in three ways. We talk about they want peace in the Middle East. Well, that can only happen in three different ways according to Scripture. Number one, by Israel's occupation of their Arab land. Number two, by the destruction of them as a people group. And number three, by their conversion. So those are the three options that Scripture gives as a way of maintaining peace with the Jewish people. Let's look at this. This is Lebanon. What happens to Lebanon? Well, peace will come between Israel and Lebanon by means of occupation. Ezekiel then traces the boundaries of Israel through the Messianic kingdom and how Israel will encompass all of modern-day Lebanon. So basically what you have is peace comes between the northern Arabs by means of occupation. Israel has to occupy the land in order to maintain peace. You got that? Okay. So let's talk about Jordan. Uh, the ancient names of Jordan is Ammon, Moab, and Edom. So let's take all three differently. So let's talk about Edom. Palestinian refugees, southern Jordanians. Ezekiel mentions that there will be massive destruction with blood and dead bodies filling the mountains, hills, and valleys, resulting in Edom's becoming a perpetual desolation. For 1,000 years during the Messianic age, there will be a perpetual desolation in the land of Edom as a reminder of rebellion against God. Jeremiah 49 emphasizes the same thing. The totality of the destruction where there is no remaining seed from Esau alive. 
ever once this is all done. Edom will be given an opportunity to trust the Lord, but they will fail to respond according to verse 11. So the cup of iniquity is then full, and then Edom must drink God's wrath in verse 12, resulting in the land becoming nothing but an astonishment, reproach, and a waste, and a curse. Total destruction. No one's alive. No one's left. Ezekiel 25 and Obadiah also describe Edom's total destruction by means of Israel's military. Israel's military wipes them off the face of the earth, according to Scripture. There is no longer any more descendants from Esau ever again. I'm not saying it. Scripture says it. Moab, central Jordan, what happens to them? As for Moab, which is present-day central Jordan, it will suffer destruction, but the destruction is not total. Those who survive will come to repentance, come to faith in the Messiah, and then a remnant of Moab return, according to Jeremiah 48. Peace will come to Israel through partial destruction and partial national salvation, and thus Moab will exist during the kingdom age. So there's the good news. Some of the Arabs do get saved in central Jordan. Ammon, northern Jordan, what happens there? Or modern, uh, modern northern Jordan. They suffer partial destruction, and they become a possession of Israel and the kingdom. Those who survive actually come to faith in Messiah, and they are found in the kingdom. So there's a remnant that gets found in Ammon. So there's a, a portion of Ammon and Moab that gets saved. The rest of them are destroyed. Egypt, what happens with Egypt? Egypt has an initial destruction but later, Egypt gets converted. So they have a partial destruction and then a partial conversion. And, but the problem is, uh, because of Egypt's mistreatment of Israel currently, that's been in the, since 1948 and into the future, because of that, during the Messianic age, according to the prophets Ezekiel 29 and Joel, Egypt will be scattered for the first 40 years of the Messianic kingdom and then brought back after 40 years to Egypt. So they're scattered, they're dispersed because of that, even though there is a, a, uh, a remnant that believes. What about northern Iraq or Syria? Peace comes between Israel by means of conversion. They actually convert to the Messiah, and they are maintained throughout the Messianic age. So they, they get converted. What about Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia is destroyed by war. Uh, uh, Jeremiah notes this, the inhabitants are scattered and dispersed all over the world, and the Saudi Arabia area is left in perpetual desolation during the Messianic age. Now, I'm going to bring in Elam, which is Persia or Iran, and I know, uh, I know Persia and Iran are not Arabs, but, they, but since we're talking about Iran, let's, let's deal with them, okay? What happens to Iran? Peace becomes be between Israel and Iran by means of destruction, when I mean destruction, I'm talking about the annihilation of people groups by God, okay? According to Jeremiah 49, the destruction of Iran is partial, though. And they'll have a dispersion, but there is a remnant that believes, that gets saved through it all, and they resettle Iran in the Messianic age. The future Iran is similar to that of Egypt. Uh, they're going to be dispersed, but we don't know how, for, how long during the Messianic age. But they do return, and there's a saved nation of, of Persians during the Messianic age. So partial destruction, partial salvation. Now, with that being said, it's not me saying that. This is what Scripture says about what will happen to the Arab people. What's setting in motion right now sets this whole powder keg in motion uh, 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 you know, concerning the end times and the last days. No doubt about that. It's a stage setting. But where do we end up? Well, we end up one day with Messiah coming back at the second coming and rescuing Israel from her enemies. And once Jesus establishes his rule and reign from Jerusalem, from David's throne in Israel, Israel will finally be at peace. So when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for Messiah to come and save Israel and establish the kingdom. And look what Jeremiah says will be that glorious day. Behold, the days come, says Yahweh, that it will raise unto David a righteous branch. Who is that? That's the Messiah. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. 
and this is his name whereby he shall be called Yahweh our righteousness, which is Jesus saves in another way. So the idea is that's when it all ends. This is when it's finally put down and Israel is then safe. Now, a role reversal happens during the Messianic age as you're seeing anti-Semitism start happening. Again, this is predicted by the prophets. Zechariah predicts all the nations will come against Israel. All will hate her, right? But when Jesus comes back and rescues them, the roles are reversed and Israel becomes the center of Gentile attention. Look at this, this is an unbelievable passage, uh, you know, looking at the light of what's going on today. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, 10 men from every language of the nations, talking about the Gentiles, shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. That's how it ends. That's how Messiah rescues them. So, so here's the thing. You can bow a knee to, to Messiah now, or in the future, you will be forced on your knee in front of the Messiah, and you will have to admit that the Jews are his chosen people along with the church, the remnant church. So you can either do it now, or you can do it later, but you will do it at some point in time in your life. Now, what can we do, practically speaking? Well, you need to pray for Israel. Number two, we can give. How can we give? I sent a text alert this week. You can send money to Chosen People Ministries. This is a pro-Jewish, uh, 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 Messianic Jewish, uh, long-time ministry. And you can give money, money to uh, Chosen People Ministry that will get money on the ground to Jewish people there, food, water, shelter, clothing, whatever is needed. And, and Chosen People Ministry will make sure that gets to them on the ground, okay? It's a good ministry. The other thing is what we're going to have on the screen. Can you guys switch my screen out to the other way? Give them a second. Let me get this billboard thing too. There we go. Okay. So Battalion 66 is who I'm in contact with. We, we made contact with them on Wednesday. I, I, I'm talking to the guy in the battalion through the IDF on the ground. This is what they're telling us. They need helmets and they need uh, bulletproof vests. So if you want to help this battalion, Edge of the Spirit's called, Battalion 66. You can go to this uh, wellversedworld.org, make a donation through that, and that gets that battalion helmets and bulletproof vests. No matter what you're hearing, a lot of the, 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 the brigades don't have bulletproof vests and helmets. And they need it. So if you want to help in that way, there it is. There, there's how you can help. Here's what I need you to do for the community. Take one of these. We made these signs. Put, put it right in your front yard and let everybody know where you stand. Okay? Because I think the, the, now is the time that the Bible-believing Christians need to put the truth out there. And we don't support Hamas, baby killers. We support Israel, who's trying to keep a democracy in the land. But more than that, we support Israel because of the Abrahamic covenant. That doesn't mean everything Israel's government does is right. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Israel has a right to defend herself, a right to her land, and a right to exist and not be threatened by terrorists. So now is the time, since, since the college students are going to put it out there that they support Hamas, why don't we put it out there that we support Israel and not be afraid, right? Anyway, let's pray for Israel right now, okay? Father, we lift up Israel to you. We know all that they're going through. We've seen it. We've seen how treacherous Hamas has been. And we pray for your will to be done. We pray for their deliverance. We pray for their protection. We pray, Father, they would come to faith in your son, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, even before the rapture, so they could be raptured out of here and not have to go through the tribulation. So, Father, deliver your people. We know you're working on a plan and a purpose to, 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 to put Israel in the vice script to make them understand that Jesus is their savior. And we understand that. But Father, we pray again, 
help us to do what we can do, help us to give, have strength to take our stand and, and, and to support the Jewish people no matter what backlash we get from our society. Give us that strength, Father. And bless us, Father, and bless Israel. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. And if you're new, I'd like to meet you. I'll be right over here, okay? Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.